0: I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. On the first Friday of the brand new year, I'm joined by my good friend, not related brother, but brother at heart, the mayor of Waco, Dylan Meek. How are you, sir?
1: Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me again.
0: What were the holidays like? Did you make it to New Orleans? See any Baylor victories?
1: Yeah, we had a great time with family. I have a three year old and a five year old, so it was a real magical time of year. It wasn't restful, but it was a lot of fun with my kiddos. Really enjoyed the Christmas season and got to see family, um, and then went to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. So, had a great time cheering on the Bears. Really excited about all the success that those sports programs have had this past year. A lot of great championships this year. Of course, we started the year with the men's national championship in, in basketball, and um, our MCC Highlanders um, baseball team won the World Series. And then we had three football teams become state championship uh, champions. Um, Live Oak, uh, Lorena, and China Spring all won state championship football um, uh, trophies this year. And then, of course, seeing our uh, Baylor Bears um, win the Sugar Bowl Uh, wrapped up 2021 really nicely from an athletics perspective here in the the community. So fun stuff.
0: There is so much good happening on the gridiron and outside of it in Mm -hmm. Waco. But before we get into all the really fun stuff, I do want to take a moment and talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, the Omicron variant, continues to wage war in McLennan County. We've had 784 deaths of our community members Mm -hmm. here. And on Monday of this week, four more deaths This is something that people are so exhausted about. Mm -hmm. No one knew 2020 was going to be a trilogy, yet here Mm -hmm. we are. We're Mm -hmm. still going through the same things. So give us an idea of of where the county is and where the city is in responding to this.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's been an incredibly difficult year, and I want to start by saying um, my thanks to our frontline workers, our healthcare providers, our doctors, our public health um, workers for all they do for our community. And I want to pause and and um, extend my condolences for those who have lost um, throughout this pandemic. It is not it's not been easy. And I don't think I think it's right to pause um, and, and uh, acknowledge that. Um, it's hard to believe that a year ago at this time, we were just beginning to think vaccines might be rolled out soon, that it hadn't become a reality yet. And so um, the world is very different now than it was A year ago, and and this has certainly been a challenging year with the Delta variant creating um, extensive challenges on our healthcare system. Um, As we we've seen a recent rise um, in Waco as a result of the Omicron variant, and it's something that we continue to take very seriously and watch very closely. Um, I reached out to um, our two hospital CEOs this morning to check in. I was able to talk to one, um, not the other, but it seems like based on data. Um, that from a hospitalization perspective, um, things are very different than the Delta variant. In fact, we have some reports and studies indicating that hospitals that um, are seeing a decreased hospitalization rate for patients infected with the Omicron variant compared to the Delta variant. And here in Waco, when we had a similar report of new daily cases during the Delta wave, um, as what was reported yesterday, we had nearly tripl- tripled the hospitalizations um, so, and I think right now there's a lot of cases that are going unreported because of at-home testing options, scarce as they are. I direct people to covidwaco.com for all information that includes our uh, daily data on new cases, hospitalizations, number of ventilators in use, um, as well as information about where to get a COVID-19 test and, um, signing up for a vaccine. Um, if you haven't got a vaccine yet, please talk to your doctor about that, um, who, um, everything that we're hearing from doctors and hospital leadership is that if you've been vaccinated, then your likelihood of significant illness um, is is very low. And um, uh, it, this is something that we'll continue to monitor and work with our public health officials and hospitals on um, as we uh, ride this next wave. And we'll continue to pray that those reports and studies that I, I referenced earlier um, prove to be accurate.
0: One of the most exciting pieces of news to come out recently was the announcement of a $185 million collaboration between Baylor University and the city of Waco on a basketball arena that can also be used for other community events. And this is part of a larger development of Mm -hmm. nearly $700 million that'll be happening around the Brazos River development. Dylan, something that You have always been a big champion of, and Mayor Kyle Deaver before you was strengthening these bonds between Baylor and the city and not having Interstate 35 be a barrier, but have something that can connect us. Mm -hmm. This is an amazing example of the heights that can be reached when these two massive entities can partner together. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's a really exciting time. I think that there's a lot of great partnership opportunities between. Um, Baylor and the disciplines and um, departments on that campus um, to always work to improve the quality of life um, and um, economic vitality of our community. Um, I'm excited to continue to explore all that could be, but um, I'm very thankful for the announcement of this project and want to pause and and thank Baylor and their leadership, Linda Livingstone, and their regents um, for um, uh, forging um, our uh, our partnership to be even stronger through this. I'm incredibly excited about this because this project is so much more um, than a Baylor basketball arena. Um, it is although that will uh, uh, be um, a jewel in the crown of our riverfront development, this really creates an opportunity um, for our riverfront development to be one step closer to be built out. Um, you know I think it's interesting that, um, for years, um, our, our um, community has visioned um, to have a completed riverfront. In fact, we were, we were dusting off plans that were uh, 20, 25 years old that um, uh, um, called for the completion of our riverfront development um, as, a, as a priority in this community. So this is one step closer towards that. Um, you know, we had a repairman who's a renowned economist, come and do an economic development study on this, um, and I thought that it, some you know, interesting stats are the return on investment. And there's about $18.9 million um, in annual revenue to the city, county, Waco, ISD, and MCC that are going to be anticipated when this project is fully built out, um, and more than 3,800 jobs will be created as a result of the completion of this project. I think what's really exciting about um, this project, too, is that Arenas, um, based on research and and, and real studies, um, arenas, when you build them around um, and then put them in in the middle of a a parking lot, um, distant from other things, it's not likely to be an economic development driver. But when you put it as a component to a planned district, um, then it really can inject some energy and vitality um, and raise the tides for other businesses nearby. And that's what's expected for this. I'm excited about hotel, restaurants, retail that'll uh, be a part of this immediate development, but also um, the nearby development that's already existing in downtown. Um, our community, our city is really committed to making sure that we work strategically to make sure all local businesses have an opportunity to benefit from the completion of this downtown river um, front property. Um, and or, or one of the things that's also come up a lot is parking and how we're going to park this. And um, we have some of the best traffic engineers and um, parking engineers um, on board to ensure that this is done thoughtfully. There's going to be multiple garages on site, um, and we will do some shuttling. Um, but um, the, we'll have very clear bridge access from um, even McLean Stadium um, and other uh, nearby parking lots that are going to create a less than you know somewhere between a quarter to a half mile walk. For some people, um, but then on-site a ton of on-site parking as well. So, really believe that in the same way, um, people were concerned about McLean Stadium um, because it was had less approximate parking than Floyd Casey, but has been incredibly successful. I believe this is going to be similar in that regard.
0: You can see a great example of the power of these arenas if you look in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So. Traditionally, Dallas was a sports town that had all the sports teams out in Arlington Mm -hmm. and in Irving where God would watch the Dallas Cowboys play. (laughs) But when Mark Cuban bought the Dallas Mavericks, he built the American Airlines Center Mm -hmm. downtown and Victory Park sprang out. Mm -hmm. And there's literally thousands of people living there then all of a sudden the Perot family decides, hey, this is a great place for us to put millions of dollars to put a science museum. Mm -hmm. You can see how these things stack on top of each other when you can have the driver Mm -hmm. of the athletics.
1: Well, and one thing I want to acknowledge too is that um, part of the deal with Baylor is that we get 90 days, the city will have 90 days to utilize that space. And so one will have, uh, many of those 90 days will be utilized for um, performances, concerts and otherwise. And we've talked to venue management companies um, who have... Um, strongly indicated that there's gonna be significant revenue and um, great bolster to our quality of life by bringing great bands um, to this community. So that'll be direct revenue to the city, which is a huge win um, for the community. And also as a a part of this, um, Baylor is committed um, to funding, um, providing um, significant funding um, for our um, Performing Arts Center, which will be a separate venue altogether, as well as a STEAM Center, so we're, we really are working to really build out our downtown with the uh, the building blocks um, that are going to, like you kind of meant, you, you referenced, that kind of build out a holistic um, and thoughtful downtown.
0: A question I've heard regarding the stadium is the size. So mm-hmm. it's supposed to have about 7,000 seats in this arena. The current Ferrell Center, where the Baylor men and women basketball team plays, is about 10,500 mm-hmm. The games I've gone to, even with the number one team in the country, I still see some empty seats there. So 7,000 feels right to me, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing some chirping on either side. Sure. What I, are your thoughts on that?
1: I hear that. And, and what I would say is that I'm not an expert on how to build the perfect basketball arena. Um, we have a consultant that um, we have hired um, who understands how to make sure that basketball arenas that are going to serve as also um, performance venues um, uh, have all the right bells and whistles. So, this will, uh, so we've had someone on board our estimation is that it's going to be about $30 million in extra cost to make sure that we can have world-class um, performances here. So taking it from just a, a standard basketball arena to a basketball arena serving the dual purpose as a um, place for concerts and performances um, will be an extra $30 million that we'll be funding out of TIF because it, we, we think it's really important to have world-class facilities like that in our community. And there's a return on investment to uh, to making that investment. Per our economic development study that we've had done, but I I want to note that um, that I'm not you know I'm not an expert on that, and I think we've got people on the athletic side and we have people on the um, concert hall or the the performing um, side that are experts and ha- who have who know the capacity needs and know how to um, make these successful, and that's the number that they've said. So I understand the concern, but in in the same way that we've seen. Um, UT um, and other large programs downsize um, to um, have the perfectly curated setting for both concerts and for um, athletic events, um, we, uh, we're, we're following a national trend in this regard. And I, and, I, and I say all that to note that while there will be concerts, big, large concerts here, we, this is not the same thing as our Performing Arts Center. So think about concerts at the American Airlines Center. That'll be the type of concerts that are here. And then if you're thinking about concerts at Bass Hall, that'll be what our future someday Performing Arts Center will be.
0: I think it's smart. Any coach would tell you they'd rather have 7,000 screaming fans than, you know, 7,000 plus 3,000 empty Mm -hmm. seats on the side. Mm -hmm. And I think especially as It gets more attractive to stay at home and be able to watch multiple games instead of one. You want to make sure that if you are buying a ticket, this has great sight lines. The acoustics are perfect. You can really create more of an experience if you have a smaller number of people there. So I I think that that's wise, and I think a lot of people in Waco forget – what the city was like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. When I was in college at A&M coming here for games, I remember going to Floyd Casey, and there were huge tarps over, Mm -hmm. felt like Mm -hmm. all the seats in the end zones Mm -hmm. because there were not enough people who wanted Mm -hmm. to go to it. So look at how far we've come. Mm
1: -hmm. That's right. Yep, it's an exciting time to see the demand increase. And I think that, again, we're being really thoughtful and careful about these, um, these, these issues. And I don't think any of these things are being rushed or taken lightly. We've got real experts in their field that are looking at this and in the same way that, you know, is McLean perfect? No. But is um, has it been a good product? Yes. And I'll, I'll say, you know, one of the things that the city didn't do with McLean um, is is secure in writing the amount of time, days that there would be utilized for community purposes, and there's no direct revenue from those community events to the city. And that, that'll be a part of this deal. And um, uh, excitingly as well, I think it's going to be a lot more proximate to our downtown small business community
0: something I was happy to see that the city did this year was to take ownership of the Doris Miller YMCA Mm -hmm. there in East Waco. And there's also more planning for programming at the Doris Miller Community Center there on Elm Avenue, or excuse me, on MLK Avenue. And so these are two ways that East Waco is going to start to feel and to look very different. Mm -hmm. And Baylor is a big part of that too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. It's a real exciting time, I think, in our parks department. Um, YMCA was... um, not planning on continuing programming I'm at the Doris Miller YMCA Center. And so I think the city really stepped up and said, hey, we're going to make sure that there continues to be community space available here in this neighborhood. And um, I think that we're going to um, engage um, in some renovations because of some deferred maintenance on that um, property and are doing that now. Um, the long-term goal is is that we will take the Doris Miller um Excuse me, the Bledsoe Miller Center um, on MLK Drive there um, next to the Doris Miller Memorial and reimagine that as a steam center. And we are in conversations and have done a lot of groundwork and research on that and, and really hope to um, have some more solidified plans by the end of this year on creating a steam center there um, at the, the Bledsoe Miller Center. And, and for
0: those who are unfamiliar, yep. STEAM is an acronym for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. So this is something that's really going to be geared towards younger folks who want to engage yep. in these.
1: Uh, yes, and I think there's there will definitely be an emphasis on um, young folks. But a lot of, um, you know, I, I've heard my uh, co-council member, Andrea Bearfield say, you know, she, she pictures there being a class for, for grandmas who want to come learn how to code. Um, and so we really want to activate the community um, through these, these subject matters um, in a fun, creative, innovative way um, with an expectation of great outcomes as we go. And then it's, it feels nice and timely that um, we'll be able to have replaced that community center with the Doris Miller – what was the Doris Miller YMCA in the heart of the neighborhood, um, proximate to schools as well as um, families – We've mentioned
0: Floyd Casey and East Waco. They are both part of a new TIF that has been created, a TIF, a tax increment finance zone. This is a st- entity that is supposed to incentivize development in these areas. What mm-hmm. are the plans for those? And I know there's a couple other areas that are part of this new TIF as well. Man,
1: this is a really exciting, exciting deal um, that we were able to get over the finish line. And I really want to thank our city staff. And, and first of all, let me just pause right now and say we have an incredible city staff. Bradley Ford is our city manager, Deidre Emerson, our deputy city manager, Jennifer Ritchie, um, our city attorney, um, and then uh, several uh, um, assistant city managers, Paul Kane, Ryan Holt, and um, Lisa Blackman. We couldn't do any of this work without their innovation, their hard work, and dedication. But one of the things that I think that we've been able to achieve is this new TIF zone, and just by reminder, TIF does not mean anybody pays extra taxes or new taxes. It basically takes a portion of the property taxes that are accrued and devotes them to a geographic area for capital public investment in that area. So that includes facade improvement grants, or new sidewalks or street streetscapes, um, parks. So we've taken a lot of commercial corridors that are not in our current existing TIF zone, but need. Um, investments and whereby the market is really not um, moving in a way that uh, preserves the tax base. So um, some of the corridors in this area include LaSalle. Um, It includes 25th Street from Waco Drive to Cumberland. Um, It includes parts of East Waco that didn't get picked up in the TIF. Um, It includes um, the rest of downtown where the TIF drops off. And so it's really going to allow, I think, an incentive package um, for um, property owners in that area to make capital investments that are needed, and the result then is that the tax base gets secured in those areas. There's I mean, revitalized, healthy infrastructure and capital investment um, in parts of the city that you don't want to not have the same tax values as other parts of the city, so there's really an economic play for the city to do this, but it also really helps families um, and small business. And our goal is to strategically make sure that small businesses are able to take advantage of this incentive program um, and really be proactive in reaching out to HUD businesses and small businesses in the in the area to to um, to really activate some of these commercial corridors.
0: The boundaries of this new TIF also include Cottonwood Creek Market, mm-hmm. where we've seen a lot of development over the last 18 months. That's where mm-hmm. the new Cinemark came yep, in. That's right. Uh, there was a new Topgolf that came in there. Yep. I enjoyed getting to do some of that over the Christmas break. It seems like that quadrant at 340 and I-35 is just booming right
1: now. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of activity you know, economic development happening across the city. And you're really excited about Topgolf. You know, that's one of those kind of bellwether deals where – um, having a Topgolf in your city on the highway signals that Waco's going somewhere and people see that. And it's been interesting to see the number of communities across the state and outside of Texas saying, how does Waco have a Top Golf, And we can't get a Topgolf. And so it really does um, have indirect benefit to businesses looking at coming to Waco by saying, man, our employees um, would enjoy the amenities and quality of life components to facilities like this.
0: There are also rumblings from Elon Musk of a second SpaceX facility coming to the central Texas area. That's one reason why someone like Musk would be excited to have another thing here is that there are quality of life improvements in Waco, McClellan County that weren't here five or mm-hmm. 10 years
1: ago. Yep. I think Waco's at that tipping point where a lot of um, businesses that might have had concern over that um, see our community now and are really excited about the opportunity here. And so. That's kind of the tension that we feel in the dance that we do is that we want to make sure that, I mean, first of all, we want to make sure that the people that are already here have a robust, strong quality of life. And from an economic development perspective, um, one of the things that we're doing every day is making sure that businesses and employees and potential employees in our community are able to capitalize on the economic opportunities that are happening in our community, while at the same time continuing to make Waco an attractive location for more businesses to come here to. You want to make sure you're growing, but it needs to be smart and healthy growth. Um, and we want to be intentional to make sure that everyone in the community has an opportunity to capitalize or optimize that growth.
0: It's easy to conflate growing with prosperity. Mm-hmm. And growth isn't always a good thing, but we can ensure, or at least work to ensure, that all of our businesses are prosperous. From an economic development standpoint, how does one think about balancing giving subsidies and incentives to big companies to come to Waco Mm -hmm. versus helping smaller companies that are already in Waco and from Waco grow to that next level? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And I think that I want to note that we're doing an economic development study right now led by um, a lady named Tracy McDaniel, who actually grew up in Waco, um, but um, went on to really help multiple governors across the country grow their economies by leading their economic development departments and now has a third-party consulting company that's excellent. And we're really excited to have her come and lead out on this study to make sure that we are looking holistically at growing our economy um, and applying the right incentives in the right places. But I'll note that what's interesting about the big companies like an Amazon, the amount of tax revenue that Amazon is going to generate is going to create a significant return on investment to the taxpayer Um, From the incentive that we gave and it allows for funding for all sorts of things like everything from infrastructure, much needed infrastructure and street programs to our police force to um, other programs like our steam center. We talk about doing that steam center. Well, that's going to be a parks and rec improvement or a community center. That's going to be so much more doable because of the tax revenue that we're that is being generated um, from organizations like Amazon the big industry that's coming to the community with significant, expensive capital investment. Um, but small business is the lifeblood of a community, so we are committed to working with and incentivizing them to um, and have had for the first time, as, as I'm aware of it, small business grants um, issued um, to members of our community for the first time in our history this past year and absolutely plan to continue those programs um, and a commitment to small businesses. Um, in the days ahead. You've been in the seat for a while now as
0: mayor and of course had a great vantage point watching Mayor Deaver prior to you. What's different about the gig now than it was when you started?
1: When I started being mayor or when I started on city council? When you started being mayor. Man, I think that it feels a lot less when I first, I've been in this office for barely over a year. Um, And when I first started, it it did feel like the emergency of COVID um, was more real. And while that continues to be something that takes up significant time and something that we take very seriously, it doesn't feel like we're living in a world of emergency um, that we were when I first took office. I think that, you know, the fact alone that um, vaccines are uh, readily available to our community and very accessible at at this juncture is great. Um, so I think that, um, so that is one difference. I think that, um, we're continuing to find our footing on, um, what is the top priority in our, in the city in this moment, there's so many opportunities right now. Um, I mean, we're just scratching the surface in this conversation. So any listeners out there who say, well, what about this or what about that? I don't, I didn't hear that. It's, we just, there's not enough time to talk about all the good, meaningful work that's being done in the city, and it's not perfect. I mean, we've got a lot, long way to go to make um, Waco all that it can be, but we've also only got so much time and resources every day to do that. And so I'm trying to find the balance um, of, okay, how do we get everything done that we want to, but also maintain our sanity is something that we're we're continuing to learn and grow in.
0: Obviously, Mayor Meek, there are so many good things to be looking back on 2021 about and the community struggled in a lot of ways and some similar ways to other communities Uh, we've had friends and businesses uh, pass away close down but i've been impressed by waco's resilience over the last year and it does seem like the city is doing a really good job of laying down the infrastructure that will allow the citizens of waco to come in and see some of these opportunities mm-hmm. and really help Waco reach heights in 2022 that it hasn't ever seen before.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it is, this is, a, this is a team sport and we've got a great team, we've got a great council, we've got um, great citizens in the community. And I, one of my goals has been to be accessible. Um, and so when people have a dream or a vision or a problem or an issue, we're working hard to see that through. And I think that we've done as good of work as we could um to achieve that. Look, we've broken records in our economic growth. We were the first city in the state of Texas, the 15th in the country to rebound to our pre-COVID numbers. Um that like pause with that. Like the first city in the state, only 14 other communities in the country rebounded to pre-COVID levels before Waco did. We have an incredible opportunity to grow our community and we have thoughtful leaders who are working diligently to improve our quality of life and grow business in the core of the city and in the suburbs. So you're going to, in the year ahead, you're going to see a lot more information on infrastructure, parks, new parks coming online, revitalizing old parks. You're going to see new support for business and a reinvigorated and holistic approach to growing our economy. And I want everyone listening out there to know that you have a voice and a seat at the table. We want you to be a part of the team, and we're excited about your participation as we go forward.
0: Dylan Meek is the mayor of Waco, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us this first episode of Downtown Depot in 2022.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me. Thanks again to Mayor Dylan Meek and to you for tuning in to episode 118 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. Find me in between episodes on Instagram and Facebook at Waco Business News. And we'll be back on the air on the third Friday of January, January 21st with another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.